welcome to the Upper Perkiomen Community Church Podcast. Join us on Sundays at 258 Main Street, East Greenville, Pennsylvania. Refreshments at 9 a.m. Worship at 9.30 a.m. Or visit us online at upcconline.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy our teaching time with our special guest speaker. church. Really uh, excited to be here. Appreciate the opportunity. Appreciate John, his friendship, and just his passion for this topic, and really having the boldness. And I, and I shouldn't even have to say having the boldness, but that's what it is in circles of Christendom, to be bold enough to say, we need to talk about mental illness. Um, it is something that, unfortunately, because of the label invokes in people kind of like, hey, I wanted you to meet my friend Larry. He struggles with bipolar disorder. Hey, Larry, I would love to stay. Got to go. Maybe you felt this way. Hey, I want you to meet my cousin. Yeah, he's manic. Oh, hey, good to meet you, man. I'm glad you're here. Have a hot dog. You know, look at the time, right? You feel this awkwardness because of the label. And so, I want to, for the sake of our conversation, and as we look at Scripture here, I want to change the label, if I may. I want to change the label, if I may. And you may say, well, wait a minute. Now, aren't you doing the same thing? You don't like the mental illness label, Ron? You don't like the mental disorder label? Um, No, no. I want to change the label, and you'll see why. I want to change the label to wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. Now, can I ask you a question? Can you be honest with me? How many of you have ever had wrong thinking? You all are mentally ill. (laughs) Now, I say that facetiously, but I say that in truth. And if we can remove the label and realize that what we are talking about is how people think, what our medical world has done, they've taken that observable behavior and they've put a label on it. And then we react to the label as if the behavior is not real. You see the problem? So I want you to think about this in terms of Where do we go off in our thinking in light of Christ, in light of the gospel? And don't let the labels or society's characterization of those with mental illnesses cause you to lose focus on what the real issue is. Does that make sense? Now, the only thing I have against Pastor John, since we're being transparent here, is that uh, I only have like a half an hour to do this, which is insane, which makes him insane, which is another one of his mental problems, right? But we're going to try to do this, and uh, hopefully in the second hour, if you hang around, try to flesh out some more of it. Let me open up in a word of prayer, because I don't want us to get lost in this. I don't want you to get lost in the label, but I also don't want you to get lost and forget, we're talking about people. 
We're not talking about projects. We're not talking about subjects. We're talking about men, women, boys, and girls who are made in the image of God. That's what we're talking about. How do we interact when they begin to struggle with wrong thinking? Amen? Let's not lose sight of that. So with that in mind, Father, we know that we are all broken. And it's only because of Jesus Christ, Father, that first and foremost our relationship can be restored to you, with you. But then, God, we know that we are going to still struggle. This body, this flesh is not redeemed. And, God, we look forward to that day. We look forward to that day when we totally will be redeemed. New bodies, new minds, never to struggle again with any of these issues, Lord. So we ask, God, for your grace in the interim. We ask for patience to have towards one another. We ask that you would help us to love people who are struggling. Lord, not to look at them as a subject, but as a person who is made in your image. And give us wisdom, God to show the love of Christ to them in the midst of their struggles. Bless all these people that are here. Give us a new perspective. Challenge us in our thinking where it may be wrong, where it may be biased, where it may be judgmental. And God, let the mind of Christ be in us as you've commanded. So we commit the time to you. We thank you for what you will do and accomplish. In Christ's name, amen. So after... About 20 years of counseling people, there are a number of different ways that people view this subject and don't have a lot of time to go into it, all of it. I've shared a little bit of it with you already. If I had to summarize, so Ron, you know, you've been talking to people for 20-something years in a counseling setting, hundreds of people, and within that, you better believe many, many people with mental illnesses have come through the office. What's the one thing that you would say the church, God's people need to understand about this topic? The one, like, how would you summarize it? And, and again, if you know me, I'm kind of a like in-your-face, straight-shooter type of guy, so don't take it personal, but if the shoe fits, <laughs> put it on. Um, we as God's people... Here's what we need to hear when it comes to mental illness. Ready for it? Ready? Hold on to the, your neighbor. Okay, here we go. Don't be ignorant. You're probably waiting for the rest. No, period. Don't be ignorant. You say, wow, that, that's kind of in your face. Yeah, it is. And it's meant to be. Here's the comments that I've heard over the years. Hey, Pastor Ron, did you so-and-so, did you hear... Yeah, 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 I heard he was struggling, and yeah, man, he's going to a psychiatrist, man. Brother needs to trust in the Lord, man, like me and you, man. And I just look at him. I say, brother, can I say this to love, in love to you? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, man, what? You're ignorant. I've said it to people. Let's have a seat. Let's have a conversation about this. Or, Or if she would only pray more. Doesn't she realize the riches of God's grace that come through prayer? 
But no, she's running off and talking to a psychiatrist. I look at that person. I say, can I say something to you in love? You're ignorant. Come in, sit down. Now, I hope you understand how I'm using the word ignorant. There's something you don't understand. You're ignorant about this topic. Oh, come on, Pastor Ron, you know. No, no, you're ignorant. Come sit down. Let's talk. And then I like to ask people this question. How many people have you engaged with and, 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 and you've had long conversations with them over periods of weeks in regards to what they are struggling with? How many? It's interesting that when I get those kind of comments of ignorance that most people who have those kind of comments have, one, never experienced any type of mental illness. Number two, they know somebody who experienced mental struggles, but they've never really talked to them because you don't want to talk too long because it might jump on you. And that creates a, a mindset of ignorance. And let me say this, and then we're going to jump on. Here's another reason I'm so happy that uh, John is doing this. The church, God's people, have been some of the worst proponents of making people who struggle feel like second-class citizens of the kingdom of God. And that's wrong. Because those who struggle are no less a son and child of God. No less. No less. <laughs> they don't have mansions all the way down on the east end of the kingdom. And yours are up front. Well, that's where all the people who struggle mentally are going to be down there. But we're going to be up front, right by the pearly gates, right next to Peter. The church, and I know not, not you, PCC, not this church. I'm just saying the church in general. The church, and, and I think part of the reason is because of ignorance and because of the reaction to the medical world being the ones to put the labels on. So because the secular medical world puts the labels on, therefore we say hogwash. And I want to challenge us to step back and say, you know what? These are real struggles that they're having. And as a brother and sister in Christ, I have a mandate to come alongside the weak, to help the weary-hearted, to help the faint-hearted, to lift up their hands. So, with those thoughts in mind, hopefully I've provoked some thinking in you already. We are all broken. We are all broken, and the issue becomes living in light of our brokenness in God's grace. That, that's the issue. We're all broken. You can put whatever label you want to put on it. But how do I live in light of my struggles and my thinking? So Proverbs says, as a man thinks, so he is. So people will do different behaviors because of the way they are thinking. Now, how do I, how do I change that thinking? How do I make choices that are healthy and right, in light of the struggle. That's, that's where the church has the answer to that. That's God's grace. That's the knowledge of who you are in light of who God is. Well, why is it that I can't just bring somebody in the office and quote Scripture and they walk out and they're okay? So somebody comes in the office and they say to me, man, I, I'm, I'm really struggling with, with panic attacks. 
So do I just pull out all the scriptures that talk about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and cast all your cares upon him? And like, why isn't that enough to just give that and they walk out and everything's fine? Is that lack of faith on their part? Is that a lack of belief on their part? We know it's not a lack of the power of God's word, right? So what is it? We'll flesh more of this out second hour. But let me ask you a question. Why is it that when you come in the office with no mental label and you want to sit and talk about how you are struggling with forgiving somebody who has greatly offended you, and I say, hey, let's look here in Colossians, just as the Lord Jesus Christ has forgiven you, so you too must forgive others. Okay? You good? Go. How come you're not okay? How come you don't walk out the office and that burden is just gone and you're still struggling with forgiving the person who set you up? How come you're not healed? Is it a lack of faith? Well, I mean, forgiveness, that's something hard to let. Oh, so, so you have wrong thinking in the area of forgiveness. I, well, well, yeah, but I was, yeah, okay, that's fine. So you have wrong thinking in the area of forgiveness, yes? Well, yeah, I guess, so you have a mental illness. Lack of forgiveness. <laughs> See my point, guys? I want to challenge the way we're thinking about this topic. Let's move on to the next slide. I, I guess I don't have a clicker. They, they're, they're my clicker. Okay. I want you to keep the big picture in mind. Keep the big picture in mind here. Creation, fall, and redemption. What, what I'm trying to do is, is build for you a theological case for how to interact with those who struggle. Because if you don't have the theological case in your mind, you're probably going to display ignorance when you interact with people. So the big picture of all of life is this creation, God creating, but then the fall and then the redemption. So next slide. You all know the verse. Genesis 1.31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very what? Good. So it started out with being perfect. It was God's creation. Man was perfect. Man's thoughts were perfect. There was no OCD, bipolar, manic, eating disorders in the garden. Man was perfect. And there was evening and there was morning and then the sixth day. So, 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 so what happened? What happened? Let's move on. What happened? The fall. Death in Adam, life in Christ. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to how many people? All men. Because all sinned. Now let's stop there for a moment. When sin came into the world through Adam's sin, and we are all the offspring of Adam, the Bible says, and death through sin. Let's stop there a minute. He's not only talking about spiritual death but physical death. Not only were we separated from a loving God because of our sin, but now 
all of that creation in Genesis 1.31 that was good has now started the decaying process. So part of the judgment to Adam, in thorns, you're going to keep the ground now, right? Woman giving childbirth is going to be painful now. You know the story. Here's what I want to challenge you with. The death that came through sin, if it is spiritual, and I think most Christians, amen, and they believe that, I hope. That's why we have the cross. I think we tend to forget that the other side of our death is physical. Now stay with me. So if part of death is that my physical is now affected, hence the gray hairs. Hence when you go to pick up the pen, your back goes out. That happened to me, Brother Dwight. I'm, man, I'm getting old. I said, what in the world? I just tried to pick up a pen. Lord have mercy. And then this verse came to mind. Death entered into the world. <laughs> and your back is proof of it. Now follow me. Here we go. Here's where the church kind of stops. They'll, 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 they'll look at the physical. They'll look at the spiritual. But they'll only look at the physical to the point of back aches and gray hair. Can I ask you a question? When I was a pre-med major, I was taught that the brain is a what? Who knows? Say it now. Come on. Organ. Does that mean the brain is made up of physical? Oh, I know where you're going, Pastor Ron. No, don't go there. No, we going there. We going there. How is it, if this is true, that the death that affects the physical does not affect the brain? Does that make sense? Let me say it this way. If because of sin in the world, I am spiritually separated from God, and now I experience physical sickness, ailments, the flu, cancer, diabetes, why is it that my physical organ, the brain, would not be affected? That's contrary to what this verse says. Now, here's the reaction that I often get. Oh, okay. So we're just going to blame it on our brains. And I think whenever you talk about mental illness, what happens? You get people who polarize all the way over here, all the way over here. No, all I'm saying is I'm challenging you right now theologically that if it's possible for your back to be affected because of sickness, that ultimately is because sin came into the world, then it is possible for your physical organ, the brain, to be affected. Now the question becomes, to what degree? To what degree? And that's where it's going to look so different in so many of our lives. And this whole issue of mental illness becomes so so intertwined, uh, uh, if you will, between is that spiritually or is that physically? Am I thinking this way because of something physically going on or am I thinking this way because of something spiritually that's going on? And here's the answer, yes. Yes. Anyone ever go to the dentist and get your wisdom teeth pulled, 
Did you struggle with the pain? Raise your hand if you struggle with the after. Not, not while you're under. That's great. But after you leave and the Tylenol with Coney wears off, anybody, anybody have a rough time? Look at all these hands. I want you all to pray for them because they have a lack of faith. <laughs> Can't believe you would struggle with that pain. Did that pain while you were recovering, did it cause you to maybe be a little irritable? Be honest. Come on. Anybody a little irritable? Man, a little irritable. Wow. Oh, ye of little faith. Why can't you walk in the newness of your identity in Christ even with that pain? Why? Because there's something real going on physical. You, you understand what I'm saying, guys? And again, I'm, I'm, I can only scratch the surface and try to provoke your thinking in our time together this first hour. But, but I'm trying to broaden your perspective on this. So if sin came into the world and my physical was affected, then by virtue of that, even my mental may be affected directly because of something going on in my brain. Because my brain is a physical organ. Let's move on. So we have creation. We have fall. And then we have redemption. Praise God for redemption. The story doesn't end with the fall. Romans 5 says, therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation for all men, thank you, Adam, so one act of righteousness leads to justification, praise God, in life for all men. Now, that's dealing with the spiritual. If you're in here today and you are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done you are now justified. You are now in Christ. We need to park on that a little bit, right? Don't, don't look at yourself and identify yourself with your struggle. I hate when people do that. I spoke at a youth rally last summer and two girls came up to the lunch table. I'm eating, they came up and they're sitting there and I'm, I'm just eating. And I'm looking up at them like, y'all, y'all want to say something? I got to get to the next session. I got to finish these beans, man. <laughs> And then finally, the one girl, he, she hits the one girl and says, go tell him. She says, um, I'm a lesbian. And I'm like, mm-hmm, okay. And she didn't know what to do with that. She's like, did you? I said, I heard you. And I said, sit down. And they both sat down. Her friend was there for moral support. I wiped my mouth. I said, <clears throat> I'm Pastor Ron. It's interesting, I didn't introduce myself as I'm an angry husband or I'm a father who had a lack of patience with my kid before I packed and came up to this camp. And I looked at her and I said, why did you introduce yourself, introduce yourself as a lesbian versus who you are? You're made in the image of God. What is your name? She said, my name is Molly. Nice to meet you, Molly. We tend to identify ourselves by that which we struggle. And I will tell you, if you sit in here today and you do that, that is both theologically, biblically wrong, and it's a slap in the face of what God did for you on the cross. You are justified. You are now in Christ. That doesn't mean we minimize your struggle, but that's not who you are. That's not who you are. 
I am a Christian. I am a child of God. That's my identity. Oh, and by the way, I struggle with this. That's the theological way to look at it because it makes a difference which way you view it. it makes a big difference. So he goes on and says, For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Talking spiritual. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Don't have time to unpack all of this. Basically, God said, you know why I gave the law? To prove that you're a sinner. Watch this. Put my phone here. Tell my little three-year-old, don't touch my phone. See what the law does? It proves that you're a sinner. Proves that you're a sinner. But notice what he says. But where sin increased in all of us. Grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's our redemption. Amen? Praise God for that. This is who you are because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You are redeemed. You are justified in his sight. And no struggle can take that away or diminish it. Now let's move on. We got to move. So there's, there's redemption. So what redemption do we have now? The redemption we have right now is salvation, as we just read in the verse. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness. Watch this. And transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Beautiful picture. You were here under Satan's control. And through Christ, I am now over here in the kingdom of God. So one verse says, behold, in my spirit, I cry out, Abba, Father, he's my daddy. Praise God for that. Amen. Now watch this. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We all jump up and say hallelujah and start shouting. Maybe not this church, different denomination. <laughs> Y'all wait. Y'all conservative folk, wait. When you get into heaven, you're going to see some shouting. You're going to be like, man, we missed out on doing that. We could have been doing that every Sunday. We had to wait to glory to do it. Okay, here we go. John's and I am never having him back. We have this redemption in Christ. Now, let's move on. Let's move on. We got to keep moving. Now, watch this. Redemption does not remove struggles. See, this is my point. What's been redeemed? Your soul has been redeemed. Has the physicality of us been redeemed? No. And if my brain is a physical organ, there are going to be times where my physical organ is not going to function properly. It has not been redeemed yet. Are they Hebrews? This is the Apostle Paul. How many people believe the Apostle Paul was saved? Okay, you better do some teaching in here, brother. <laughs> All the hands didn't get it out. I don't know. I don't think so. The apostle Paul was saved. Trust me. This is the apostle Paul talking. Are they Hebrews? Because they're boasting. Like, who's the apostle Paul? Who is he? Why should we listen to him? So Paul, kind of in his flesh, trying to make a point here, being a little facetious, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. 
I am talking like a madman. They got to understand, Paul's being criticized as not being an authentic apostle. And he's just being a little facetious. Oh, you want to compare resumes? Right? And notice what he begins to say. Far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day. I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. Let's keep moving. But let's pause there for a minute. What mental health do you think he's in while he's going through this? You think Paul is just walking around like, this ain't affecting me? Do you think that, that everything he just listed was not affecting his mental well-being? It's interesting how people think if you're a believer, you shouldn't suffer mentally. Read Psalm 88, one of the most dark, depressing psalms in the Bible. Read, read through the book of Psalms, and I guarantee you, you can read through the book of Psalms and take the DSM statistical manual Diagnostic manual for mental illness, read Psalms, and you will find labels you can put on many of those Psalms. We are going to still struggle in this life and in our way of thinking and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from all other things, here we go, Pastor John, we can amen this. There is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches trying to deal with all these people. <laughs> Not that John says it about you guys like that. He loves you guys when we talk. Who is weak? Do you hear him? And I am not weak. Who is made to fall? And I am not indignant. What is he saying? Look at my life. I'm doing all of this. I'm going through all of this because of Christ. But don't think that I'm immune from the suffering. And I would go as far as saying the mental suffering that he's going through. Let's move on. When we talk about us as beings, please don't forget that you're a whole being. Mind, soul, and body. The church tends to just focus on the, the, the soul or the spirit or just the way that we ought to be thinking, and we, we don't even talk about the body. But your body has been affected by sin. Your body is the physical. Your brain is physical. It can also be affected by sin so that your thinking is wrong. I told one guy, he came in the office, he's a little adamant about this, so he said, no, I, I, just, I don't agree with all this. People need to trust God more. People, people just need to... I said, okay, brother. If I was able to take a drug and inject a drug in your body to put you asleep, you can quote all the scripture you want. Within five minutes, you're going to be out. He said, no, that's, that's true. So could there be something like that going on in our physical brains where you know all the scripture in the world, but you're just prone to keep going down this way? Until we recognize that, and then say, now how do we deal with that? We're going to keep pushing people away. And the church has the answer. 
because it is this awesome depending on God in the, the saints of God to come and rally around people like that and not push them away. What would that do for somebody who's struggling with anxiety? Huh? Think about You ever think about that? All these people walking around, taking prescriptions, prescription for this, prescription for this. Okay? Do I believe that people are over-medicated? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Do I believe that there are times where medication needs to be used? Yes, I do. I've walked people to the pharmacy. Said, brother, we got to get this for you, man. Because you can't even stay focused to hear the truth of God I'm trying to give you. But can I tell you this? I believe there are probably another set of people who are on medication because the church of God, God's people have dropped the ball and left them in the middle of all their struggles with no love, no support. I believe the power of love can change somebody's thinking too. But if they feel like they're the scarlet letter, what does that do to somebody mentally? So maybe in some ways, maybe in some ways, God's people have kicked them to the pharmacist. Let's move on. The big picture. Again, all creation is affected by sin. Struggles are going to exist. I got to wrap up. Here we go. Let's keep them going. Mental struggles are real. Mental struggles are not my identity. My identity is in Christ. Amen? Man, that ought to just make you want to shout, but I know we can't do that here. My sanctification is an ongoing process. So yes, as I'm struggling through this drudgery of mental stuff, I'm still trying to grab God's word and hold on to it with everything and live it out. And those struggles may never leave. My mental struggles may never leave until I'm totally redeemed. My sanctification is an ongoing process. Let's keep going. Here we go. And then I promise I'll, I'll, I'll end. And so from the day we heard, talking to the believers, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. You can do this despite the mental struggle, being strengthened with all power. According to his glorious might for all endurance. Did you catch that? That you might endure. Because you might not ever be able to throw off those thoughts that keep coming back and haunting you. But you can endure through it with patience, joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. He pointed to eternity and where you're headed. Folks, I hope and pray that we will begin to look at people who struggle with wrong thinking, i.e. mental illness, is being made in the image of God, and they are no different than all of us. Father, thank you. God, the gospel of Jesus Christ is our ultimate hope. The fact, God, that we will be with you throughout eternity, that's our ultimate hope. But in this life, as we struggle, as we struggle with all different types of, of mental illnesses, labels that have been put on us for various reasons, God, help us to walk through them, depending on you. You promised in your word that you would give us what we need to endure. And God, we who maybe are not struggling to the same degree, God, help us to come alongside and to love one another as you have loved 
each and every one of us. Amen. Support them in their struggle. Thank you, Father. Work these truths from our minds mm. into our hearts. Yes. In Christ's name, amen.